to Proverbs chapter number 25. Proverbs chapter number 25. I'll switch to this. All right, can you hear me? Proverbs chapter, there it is. All right, Proverbs chapter number 25. And uh, next, not next Thursday, I'm not saying next Thursday, but the next Thursday that I preach, I will do the other sermon on the bus ministry, being that half of our bus workers are back here. I thought, okay, I preach on the bus ministry, and half of the workers that really I really want to try to encourage are back there. So I'm going to wait and do that later. But I have a, a, tonight I want to try to help with something that is a uh, honestly a, a little thing in a church, uh, but it is one of the biggest things that hurt uh, members, hurt Christians in a church, the most unassuming thing uh, that we don't even think about. Uh, we just think, oh, I'm just being, it's just me. Well, no, it's not just you. Uh, there it happens to a lot of people, and, uh, and it hurts a lot of people. So I want to talk to you about that this evening. Uh, Proverbs chapter 25, and we're going to read one verse, then we're going to go to a portion of Scripture and read 10 verses. Again, you've got to get your Bible reading in, so we're going to read a bunch of verses tonight, all right? Proverbs chapter 25 and verse number um, 11. The Bible says this, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. Proverbs chapter 25, verse number 11. Let's read that together, out loud together. Proverbs chapter 25, verse number 11. Let's read it together, beginning now. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. Read it one more time. You ready? A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, dear God, I pray that you bless this evening. God, take this uh, uh, small thought, dear God, this small thing in our lives that we don't pay attention to. And we just go about our day, go about talking to people and dealing with people and dealing with situations. We do a lot of things, dear God, that we don't realize what we just did. God, we don't understand what we just said. God, I pray that you bless tonight. Get me out of the way, dear God, and just help me to be used through your word. God, I pray that you speak to the heart, speak to my heart tonight. God, thank you for the VBS that we've had this week. And give them a safe ride as they leave here shortly and head home. And get them back safely to their homes, dear God, and then here on Sunday for church. God, I pray that you bless. Thank you for this place you've given us. God, thank you for this Bible that you've given us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. And you can be seated. Thank you, Pastor, for the opportunity um, to preach um, this evening uh, there. By the way, the uh, surgery went well for Pastor. As you can see, he's here tonight. He still has both eyes. Praise the Lord. And uh, we're good to go. And so we praise God for that uh, there. And so we thank him for that. We love our Pastor. Proverbs 25 and verse number 11, the Bible says that a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold pictures of silver. I like those first four words, a word fitly spoken. A word fitly spoken. You know you can say words in the wrong way. And you can put words in the wrong place. Now we learned that in English in elementary and in high school. Words go in certain way to make it for it's one make sense <laughs> to what is proper, but also in the right situation. A word fitly spoken. In the right area the right manner, with the right spirit, a word fitly spoken. See, we can say, you, you say, you say, uh, you know, but, but, I, but I was telling the truth. Well, everybody, a lot of people tell the truth, but how did you tell it? That's, that's the question I have. Was it the right situation? It, it would be, uh, if you give me an illustration, and yes, this is a little bit overboard, but it would be me like, like me walking down a random street in town, 
they're not saved, where are they going? To hell. It is the truth. But let me ask you something. Did I help the situation? Okay, let me ask something. If someone came to your door and did that, what would you do? <laughs> okay. So see, see what I'm saying? You say, but it was the truth, and I agree, and it was absolutely the truth, and yes, they need to get saved. But that probably wasn't the right way to go about it because you probably stirred the nest more than you helped the situation. You probably have someone come to the door that's a little upset. Okay? So a word fitly spoke. Now, I, again, I went way overboard and used an illustration to try to get you to understand something. Let's go to James chapter number 3, and verse number 1 through verse number 10, and we're going to read some scripture here. James chapter 3, and verse number 1 through verse number 10. James chapter 3 and verse number 1 through verse number 10. I'm going to begin reading, just follow along as I read. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man is able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold... Also the ships, which though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet uh, are they turned about with very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so, here it is, ready, even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. I wonder, it amazes me how he says it, a world of iniquity. You let it loose, and it's a world of iniquity. Un uncontrolled, it's a world of iniquity. And then we think about our society. We think about what's said out in our society and what's done out of anger out in our society. And that verse makes sense. It's a world of iniquity. Look what it says. So is the tongue among our members that defileth the whole body. Gets, gets, gets the whole body in trouble. Defileth the whole thing. <laughs> okay. Look, look, it says there, follow the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on, on fire of hell. For every kind of beast, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame, it is unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Your tongue, what we say, in the manner we say it, can do either be a great blessing to someone, <laughs> or it can just about be the death of them. The way we say things. Now understand. Under, understand something. Bible is Bible. I can't change Bible. The Bible says someone that dies without Christ is on their way to hell, then someone that dies without Christ is on their way to hell. And the Bible says thou shalt not kill, then guess what? Thou shalt not kill. The Bible says that you should act this way as a Christian or you should abstain from appearance of evil, all these other things, then that's what the Bible says and that's what we believe. So what this is not saying is that we change our beliefs because I don't want to offend anybody. That's not what it's saying. It's not saying we change our standards because I don't want someone to feel bad around me. That's not what it's saying. But what it is saying, listen to this, is that your tongue can be used 
to do harm. Say, but I was right. Uh, Listen, I understand you were right. But the way you went about it and the way you used your tongue, that was wrong. But they're wrong and I'm right and I, you know, there's no way someone can accuse me. I understand no one can accuse you. But the way you went about it, that was wrong. It's a person in church and we, we have this in, in, in Christianity. If you haven't had this yet, then God bless you. And uh, they're but in churches, right? Someone offends somebody. And there's, there's anger and bitterness or hatred stirring up between two people in a church. And the one person did wrong, the other person was the one that was offended. Well, listen, the one that was offended, that was the wrong was done too, how they handle it determines if they're still the one that was offended or not. They go about it a wrong way, and because they were offended, and someone did me wrong, now I'm going to get them back, now you're wrong. We use this phrase, two wrongs don't make a right. Two wrong, we use that phrase. Now, the principle, I believe, is there in the Bible, but that verse is not there in the Bible, okay? Two wrongs don't make a right. And understand this, Christian, because someone else does something wrong towards you, because someone else says something towards you, does not give us the right to say something back to them. Say, but I was defending myself. That's still not Christianity. The Bible, that's why the Bible tell, tells us to hold thy peace. The Bible tells in one spot, turn the other cheek. And it's not talking about it specifically, and in some cases it can talk about the actual physical uh, slapping of the face, turn the other cheek. But in context, it talks about in any way that you are offended. For a Christian to say, well, I was offended and I'm going to attack is wrong. Now, as a father, as a father and, and, as, and as, as parents, if you will, of children, in some ways that is a very hard task. <laughs> to control yourself because they mess with my little one. Understand a word fitly spoken. A word fitly spoken. I want you to turn to 1 Timothy chapter number 4 and verse number 12. 1 Timothy chapter number 4 and verse number 12. The Bible says this, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in, what's the next word? Word. In what? Word. In what? Conversation. In what? Charity. In what? Spirit. In what? Faith. In what? Purity. So God lays it right out there. He said, be an example. We are, if there, if there, listen, Christian, if there's anybody in our country that ought to know how to hold their tongue, it ought to be a Christian. Again, I'm not saying, well, they were blaspheming God. They were cursing God. So what am I supposed to do is, am I supposed to clap for them? No. (laughs) Am I supposed to applaud them and thank them? No. No. But there is a line that we do not cross as Christians. Wrong is still wrong no matter what. You say, well, I had the right. They They were offending my God. God will take care of them. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. God will take care of them. A word fitly spoken. The tongue has been known to discourage. Discourage. I don't know about you, but if you've been discouraged before by somebody else's words, I know I have in my life. The tongue has been known to discourage. The tongue has been known to destroy. The tongue has been known to destroy people. There, there. I, I have no doubt in my mind. Not, not everybody, and I can't. I, I'm not. I'm against. 
I'm against this, this recovering independent fundamental or fundamental, whatever you want to call them. I'm absolutely against it. I, I agree with pastor. You are never fundamental if you're recovering from it. You're never fundamental if you're recovering from it. There's no way. But, but understand, listen to me. There has, I have no doubt in my mind that there have been people, young Christians, young Christians, new, new Christians, just got saved, offended by a tongue of another Christian. They just were not at the maturity level to know how to take it, and they left. Now understand, does that mean that they're wicked? Does that mean that they're wrong? Does that mean they have the right to do what they're doing? No, it doesn't. At the same time, did we help the situation? I was talking with one of our teenagers uh, um, Tuesday. Tuesday, I was talking with one of our teenagers, and, and there was a little bit of a, just a, a, a misunderstanding at a door with a parent. And I, I walked up, and, 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 I, and I talked to the parent. Everything's good. Walked back. I said, what'd you say? I walked to the door, and I said, hey, we got to go. Y'all need to hurry right now. I said, look, I said, look at me. You're a teenager. You're a teenager. That wasn't the right phrase to use to an adult man that you don't even know. Hey, hurry up. You guys need to hurry. We got to go now. I said, no, no, no. You, you knock on the door and you, say, and you say something like this. Hey, uh, are, are they about ready? We're ready to go whenever you guys are. We, we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're running a little late on time, so are they almost ready? Can you help with anything? You come with that type of mentality. You don't come demanding anything. Okay, understand, a word fitly spoken. <laughs> that whole thing could have been avoided if we had thought about how we were saying it and what situation we were saying it. So understand, uh, a, a tongue has been known to, to discourage. A tongue has also been known to destroy. By the way, a Christian that's sitting here in church, there's been times in your Christianity that a tongue has been not only known to discourage, but even to destroy your faith for some time. Your trust, a tongue. Your trust in somebody. I don't trust them anymore because they said dot, dot, dot. They treated me like this, this, this. So understand, a tongue has been known to do these things. The Bible says that it is a member, it is a member uh, that, that, is, that sets on fire the course of nature and set on fire of hell. Look, number, number three here, the tongue has been known to deceive. There's a lot of deceiving tongues out there. And that ought not to be the tongues in, the, in, in, the, in God's house. Listen to me, that ought not to be the tongues in God's house. We, if there's anybody that ought not to be deceiving people, it ought not to be God's people. The tongue has been known to disavow, deny, or disown. The tongue's been known to do that, disavow someone, deny or disown them verbally. The tongue has been known to uh, dis, uh discomfort. That's not the word it is. Uh, there, but the tongue, tongue has been known to defeat or overthrow other people. Uh, you see people get into a shouting match. <laughs> I can't stand that. People on a shouting match. I just want to like, okay, just when you're done, tell me so I can think. <laughs> and uh, again, uh, uh, is, is people, people use their tongue to do these different things. People have used their tongue to hurt, use their tongue to lie, use their tongue to get people in more trouble than, than it's worth. There's been a lot of ways that we've used our tongue in the wrong way. For such a small part of the human body, it can do more damage quicker than we even realize. 
say, well, I didn't mean it that way, but how did you say it? Well, it was true. How did you say it? Did they understand it that way? Pastor talks all the time, and I agree with, agree with it. I've been on, on the giving, sending end, and the receiving end of a text that you're going, what, are they in a bad mood? <laughs> what did they mean by that? And that's in a text, let alone face-to-face. Face-to-face. What, and I said this earlier, but I'm going to go over it again. What this does not mean, What listen, what does not, a word fitly spoken, a word, a word or your words uh, put in proper order, in the right place, set on purpose for a specific purpose, not just blabbed to say. Well, I was angry. Your words were not fitly spoken then. Well, I was out of control and mad. Your words were not fitly spoken. I'll say word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. What this does not mean is that you don't, uh, excuse me, what this does not mean is that you don't point out sin and call it what it is in fear that you will hurt other people's feelings. But listen to me, understand what I said. What this does not mean is that I don't stand with God's word. That's not what this verse is saying. But there's a proper way. Okay, there's a proper person. I tell our teenagers, our teenagers are learning to help with a lot of young people constantly here on Sundays, on buses, whatever. By the way, uh, some of our teen girls this week have been doing all the bus programs on my bus. They've been doing an excellent job. I'm very impressed. I've never heard them do a bus program, but I'm very impressed. They learn to work with a lot of young people. And I've had to pull a couple of them aside and say, listen, help. But there's a line you cannot cross. You're just a teenager. It's not your place. It's not your place. And the same thing when it comes to our tongue. Some things are just not our place. Say, but but it's true. It's let somebody else handle it. Okay, better this. Let God handle it. <laughs> let God take care of it. Sure enough, the next sermon's going to be something that is going to hit home on that area. Let God handle it. Uh, uh, <laughs> parent, you have a child that, that is having some problems at home. Uh, um, pray for them. Correct them when they're wrong. But no, a week of camp is coming up. and <laughs> Just be praying that God will handle it. Let, let the preaching get to them. Let, let it change here more than someone trying to force the change on the outside. Because there's some things that they may change out here, but inside they are rebelling for all they're worth. And you need God to do work on the inside, not just the outside. Because the inside change is what's going to make a difference. So this is not saying is that I don't point out sin and I don't care about sin that's being that's going on around me and I don't call it what it is in fear that I'm hurt. That's not what that verse is saying. It's also not saying that you can't joke with people. See, we 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 Baptists again we pendulum from one side to the other. Either we either we you know you have one person you say well you know, okay, you've been I've been I've been. I have been around Baptists, and I'll blame myself. I've been around Baptists that are, are, are too spiritual for this world at all. Like, they're, they can't live here. They can't do nothing. They're just too spiritual for their own good. And it's all a front. It's all a front. They don't know how to be around a bus kid, let alone on his own job site. They fight and pick fights and, and verbally are, are arguing with people constantly about everything. My, my father, growing up, always said this. He said, son, you better never back down from a fight, but you better know when, when is the right time. You better pick your fights wisely. They better be worth it. And there's some things that's just not worth 
sound. You just <laughs> sometimes a look that says you're stupid. You don't say anything. Just the look that says you're stupid, they get it. You just look at them with that look that just goes, you're an idiot. And they go, he didn't say anything, but he has a look that says, I know exactly what he's saying. Listen, just because your words, can you talk about words? Well, I got to be serious all the time. That means I can't joke with anything. I can't have fun with anything. No, no, no. Listen, again, we're out of balance. We flop from one side to the other, or we joke so much that we don't care what's going on around us. Okay? And so, so that's not what that verse said. What it is saying is this, realize the power of the tongue. That's what that is saying. Realize the power of the tongue. James chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. I want you to understand the power of the tongue. Bible says it's like a bit in a horse's mouth. You ever ridden a horse? You put that bit in their mouth, and you can turn that horse. Now, what's really bad is when, a ho- when you get on a horse that's had a bit, and someone's always pulling on it, and he's gotten used to it. And then that becomes a problem. But a bit in the horse's mouth, think about that big animal. There was a, a horse in, uh, in New Hampshire at the Haynes's farm that we, we lived at for about two years. And this horse was a draft horse. Now, draft horses are huge. They're work horses. They're huge. And uh, his name was Oreo. He was a gray, speckled gray horse. His hoof, I promise you, his hoof was that big around. And I remember one time that, that horse, I was staying next to it, putting the, the chest uh, straps on the horse, hooking it to the saddle. And that horse lifted its foot and went right on top of my foot. It hurt. Yeah, it hurt. I remember riding him one time. When you rode him, when you rode him, I'm not kidding. When you rode him, you rode like this. He was that big. <laughs> so, so when you got off, you got off and you were like, Okay, let's try to walk again. And uh, but but he was that big. I remember one time riding him, and he hit a patch of ice in the winter time in, in New Hampshire. And I remember him falling like it was less than a second. Him falling and slamming, boom, and he was right back up. I remember hitting my leg and just feeling like I I thought I, my first time a horse ever fell on me as a, as I was like twelve years old, eleven, twelve years old, and it shocked me. But I always was amazed how that big of a horse, and here's me, 11 years old. And I could tell him what to do. I could pull him whatever direction. Your tongue does the same thing. Think of a, a big ship. The captain sits there, and all he does is turn that wheel. <laughs> and one of the littlest parts of the whole ship back there tells that big ship where to go. It points him everywhere it needs to go. And he, he controls it with a small helm. The Bible says your tongue does the same thing. So realize the power of your tongue. The power of your tongue. Number two, realize the importance of knowing how to speak. When, in what situation words, in what situations words should be used. When to speak. How to say things. Uh, <clears throat> it's all I can use because this is the most of my experience in working with teenagers. I, 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 I'm not boast, boasting of this in any way. This is just, it's learned experience from working with teenagers. You bring a teenager in, and I personally, I take it as a challenge that I can work with any teenager. Now, that doesn't mean that I slam them over the head every time they move. 
because that doesn't work with every teenager. Some teenagers I can be stern with, and some teenagers I have to get their get their friendship first. And then once I buy, they buy into our friendship, and we become, and I'm, that's not a fake thing. That's my heart wanting to help them. And once we build that friendship in that in that, if you will, uh, a conversation or that trust. Now when things happen and they do things wrong, I can come on a little bit more stern than I have in the past. But there's multiple things come to place. One, uh, we were all, I was always taught, and, and Pastor, we've had these conversations, um, when someone does wrong in private, then it's corrected in private. But when someone does wrong out in the open and lets everybody know, that's a scorner, it's, it's corrected openly. That is just how you handle certain things. When someone broadcasts their wicked doing, now we have a problem because now everybody knows and I have to correct it openly. But when someone does it in private, then we come inside private, we keep it a private matter and we help the problem. So if I walk up to a young person doing wrong and I bash him over the head in front of everybody, how do you think he's going to react? Now, one of our church teens that know better we're friends, we have, we've built a relationship, and they do something openly, and I have to correct them right there. Very simple. Most time it's a, hey, what are you doing? And they know right away, oh, I did something wrong, and they're done. We're still good. They know. But a new Christian, my words have to be chosen very carefully. Because I can take a situation, and I can escalate. Or I can take a situation, and I can de-escalate the situation and help. But it all comes from here. How do I handle this? Deciding in this situation, what are the words I need to use? How do I need to handle it? So realize the power of the tongue, but realize the importance of knowing how to speak to others. A new Christian comes in. L listen to me. You, those of you that work in the ministry, you can't treat a new Christian like a Christian that's been in church for 30 years. They don't understand. They're, they're, listen, they're babes in Christ. You don't kick a baby because the baby can't walk. <laughs> you don't yell and scream at the baby because the baby, all it can do is crawl and can't walk, can't feed itself. So you scream and yell at it. No, you don't do that. You help the baby. You have to baby it. And a lot of times we have young, young Christians come in and we just, it, we don't mean it. We just don't think. And we use our words in a wrong way that offends them. Now, did they do wrong? They probably did. They probably were out of line. And I agree with that. But the way we handled it didn't help the situation. The power of the tongue. How to speak in the situation that you're in. A word fitly spoken. Fitly, the word fitly means this, suitable, properly, with propriety. Fitly. Suitable for that situation. Fitly spoken. Exactly what situation and how I need to respond to that situation and what's happening. Let me give you four things and I'm done. You ready? How to make sure that your word is fitly spoken. Let me give you four simple questions to ask yourself. You ready? Number one, is it the right word? First question. Okay, here's the situation that just happened. Here's the situation I find myself in or the conversation. I, here's what someone just did towards me. All these things happen to you. Okay? So number one, the first thing I think about is, is it the right word? Is it, listen, here, here it is, ready? Is that too harsh of a word? Is that, for that person, is this too direct? Okay, understand this. I can, I, 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 in my words, okay, 
There's many ways to tell somebody the same thing. And every person's different. If I took four or five young people here or four or five adults here, I could come about in a sentence, I could word the sentence in five different ways for your particular situation or for your particular person, your spirit, how, how, where you are in your Christian life, I can word it five different ways and get the same response from everybody. Same reaction, the same outcome. But if I say the same thing to one person and I treat the other person the same way, I might get a different outcome. You know why? It's a different person. So a word fitly spoken. Used just right. Situation. You have a, you ha okay, you ready? You have a family member that you're working on. You want them to get into church. You're, you're praying for them. Uh, you're trying to help them. You have got to know exactly what you need to say when you need to say it. Timing is everything. I, I just used one of the other points, but timing is everything. Timing is everything. No, number two. Let's go to the next point. Is it the right time? So not only is it the right word, am I using the right word? Here's what just happened in, in my, am I using the right phrasing to this person who's a new, the person's a new Christian? Or the person's more like family. So now I know I can talk a little bit more stern in the situation or I can say things a little bit more. They'll understand because they know me. But when they don't know you, they don't understand. They just think you're out to get them, and they don't know why. They don't understand what's going on. It's not only the right word, is it the right timing? Is it the right timing? You know, the same phrase said at two different times can mean two different things and can be taken two different ways. You come to me, if, if you came to me and, and something huge just happened and I'm discouraged, I'm frustrated, uh, I, I've got this all this stuff stirring up inside of me, and you come and make one phrase towards me, I might handle that different hearing it at that time than I would have when I'm on top side, ready to go, just having a great day, right? It's uh, uh, moms, you ready, right? When your kids are little, the kid runs into the room or runs, runs in and tells you, I love you, and it's 9 o'clock, rather than they come in running in, waking you up at 4 o'clock in the morning saying, I love you. Two different responses they're about to get. One is, oh, I love you too, and the other one is, what are you doing? Go to bed. Get to bed. Get out of my room. Okay, it's four o'clock in the morning. All right, two different responses. They said the same thing, but two, the timing was everything. Okay, timing was everything. And so understand when it comes to your tongue, when it comes to having words fitly spoken in any situation, in any ministry, and in, in trying to work with people that are not in church, you're trying to get them into church. Words fitly spoken can be everything to that situation, that relationship. And also the right word, not only the right words, but the right timing, the right timing. It is. It, it also, listen, uh, so how can make sure my words are fully spoken? Is it said with the right spirit? That's why with I agree with Pastor on that. The texting with certain things just should not happen. It's just not not the right timing, <laughs> and it's too sensitive of a situation. Because I don't know if you don't know this. You can put all the emojis you want in a text. I don't know your spirit because you could be lying to me. You could be saying, I, 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 you could be saying at the end of your text, I heart you, but you have a knife in your hand, really. Okay, certain things just have to be said to the person because I need to know what spirit you're saying. I need to know what, what spirit you're saying. Well, I told them I love them, but here's what it was. 
well, I guess I love you. Bad spirit. <laughs> you said it. The words were there, but I didn't take it that way. <laughs> there was something else behind that. See, words fitly spoken. Not only the right words, not only the right timing, but said it with the right spirit. And then the last thing is this, ready? It is said to the right person. The right person. Again, there's some things I can say to one person, I can't say to another person. Mm, they're not there yet. They're not there yet. There's a building process that goes into this first thing until we get to that point where I can kind of prod a little bit more with my words to try to help them. See, a word's fitly spoken. A word fitly spoken. There's a lot of hurt in our churches that are not caused from outside, they're caused from inside with the smallest member in this room, our tongue. And it all comes down to this. A lot of times, listen, listen, and a lot of times, and I, and I don't doubt this at all, a lot of times the Christian had the best intentions, but their words were not fitly spoken. Mm -mm. They were not said properly. Their intentions were good and what they said was true. But the way they said it, the timing was not good. Have you ever have you ever went to talk to somebody and you saw you, you just saw their countenance and you said, "I'll talk to them later. <laughs> I, I'll just I'll ask later. This this doesn't maybe not now. <laughs> Depending on if you're bringing bad news or good news. <laughs> you bring them bad news and their countenance looks bad, then it's like I don't need to bring them more bad news. But when their countenance is uh, is is not not good in the sense of something maybe it just happened or they're more down, they're they're thinking deeply, and you have great news, that's the good timing. Let's bring good news in. Let's get the spirit up, right? A word fitly spoken. A word fitly spoken. It's like apples of gold, pitchers of silver. Sometimes it is going back to the simplest things of life. How we speak to each other. And how we speak to those that we're trying to help. Trying to help. By the way, everybody in here ought to have someone they're trying to help bring closer to God. It's not just a Sunday school teacher's job or just pastor's job or just my job to help bring someone closer to God and encourage them to do what's right. As a Christian, you ought to be encouraging everybody around you. Sometimes that's the best way to work on the word fitly spoken. How to help people. How to encourage people. How to take someone that's down and encourage them instead of add to their problems. How to build them up instead of tear them down. How to, how, to, how, to, how, to, how to give them that confidence that they need to keep going forward for God. A lot of it comes down to just simple fact, our words. Our words. A word fitly spoken. Let's pray and we'll have.